try me. If you try me, you will get the greatest piece of work. I Now that I share with Beyonce and Tiger Woods, if y'all follow them. Yeah. You try me, you doubt me, you talk shit about me. It's going to propel me into the greatest expansion of my life. And yeah. that was what helped me jump out of that fear and really just say, do your own thing, girl, because they're going to doubt you anyways, even when you're doing their thing. Hello, hello, and welcome to House of Low. I'm Low, and I am on a mission to create safe spaces to help every single woman on this earth feel her power, live from her truth, find her magic, and discover a love for herself so deeply that it opens her up to love others, step into her purpose, and live life abundantly. I'm so excited you have found your way here. Thank you for joining me. Here we go. Grounding into the powerful energy right here, Koi. I am so honored to bring <laughs> a previous guest on that is here for part two. And she just happens to be one of my <laughs> closest friends. So I'm very excited that I get to do this on a Monday and spend time with the one and only Sequoia Glenn. Hello, my love. Hello, 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 Lauren. My favorite girl in the world. Oh, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so honored to have you being in your energy literally sparked so much joy in me. And I am honored to have you here today. So thank you for making the time once again for the House of Low podcast. Sequoia is a marketing strategist, culture disruptor like no other, and founder of 924 Co-op. She's going to tell you all about that. But I just want to say, from personal perspective, Sequoia and I have been friends for over three years now. We were colleagues in, in a company together. And, you know, this beautiful friendship blossomed, this mutual respect. I also feel that we're soul family and we've been in many lives together. And here we go again. And I just want to honor you for how much you continue to expand me into the best version of me the love you pour into me and how deeply you see the real low. Because I do feel that you and I came into each other's lives when we were ready for the kind of friendship that we have, you know? And so I know today we're going to talk a lot about, you know, the cycles of life. And I, I'm just so grateful for the cycle of life that brought you and I together. Me too, girl. I'm glad you didn't meet me 10 years ago. I don't know <laughs> friends. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't meet me 10 years ago. <laughs> but I would love for you to tell everyone all about you, all about your business, what you're doing in the world, your purpose, and anything you're excited about right now. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. You know, it's just some people I say yes to without asking much detail, and you are one of them. So I'm just really excited and excited to see, even listening back myself, seeing how much I've grown in the past six months since we interviewed the first time or really conversed. It was not an interview per se. So what's exciting me right now is a little bit of the uncertainty. I essentially run three different brands. And my main is my marketing research and marketing agency called 9 
Girls for Cooperative, where we really tailor our teams to whatever the business need is. We fit our clients and not beg our clients to fit us. It's all about the true audience first. I know a lot of folks I've worked with before have said, audience first, audience first. And it's like, yeah, to a certain extent. But I've really really taking those experiences, good and bad, to really shape the world of marketing that I want to see, which believes in restoring humanity one campaign at a time. Mm. My other two brands include Black Marketers Coalition, which is also one thing that Lo and I bonded over, which is really fostering positive relationships between Black marketers, but also allowing ourselves to create the table that we wish we were at by giving compelling speaking engagements once a month from people you may or may not ever heard from that just have some really great things they want to talk about. And lastly, Happy Resignation Day, which I think is really relevant to the conversation today. HappyResignationDay.com is a greeting card line that really talks about really the death of the corporate struggle and really feeling kind of chained to our desk and that work is life and life is work and really celebrating all the reasons why people move the way they do within their organizations or when they churn out. So that all excites me, not just because of the name drops. I mean, I take it, but it really excites me because I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing, but I also really know what I'm doing. I would say my biggest goal in life is to make people money. I enjoy making myself money. I enjoy helping other people make money through data-driven ways, through compelling ways that really get conversations happening between humans and really harnessing the power that I have within myself as a bisexual Black woman from the South who's curvy, who has natural hair, who is bubbly, an army brat, all these things (laughs) that make me really showing people that you can be yourself in every aspect of you and still call in that thing you want, especially when it comes to money. So that's a little bit of my soapbox, girl. I live for your soapboxes. And Black Marketers Coalition is a house of low fave, okay? We love house of low too. Oh my God, these conversations you have got to go to. Koya does them. Is it once a month still? Once a month. So The next Thursday one is um, usually right, like on a Thursday. It's usually the first mm-hmm. Thursday of the month, except for in marketing land, we know holiday weeks don't work. And yep. if it is the actual first few days of the month. Yeah. So for August, we're not doing one on August 4th because we're all reconciling and doing meetings yeah. and stuff. So we'll do the next one next week. Just check us out on LinkedIn and usually yeah. we post it or YouTube. They'll be streaming live. We'll make sure to link that. It's the conversations that you cultivate and the people you curate are powerhouses. Like I sit there and I'm taking notes and I rarely go to events where I take notes. I feel like I'm snoozing sometimes. <laughs> At your events, I'm like all the way turned on. I'm like, oh my God, I'm learning so much. So it's it's just beautiful. And I love the word coalition. We need more coalitions in life. That's for sure. I also want to comment on how we're cozy in who we are, to quote Beyonce. That's my favorite song from Renaissance right now. Oh. Cozy. What does it look like to be cozy, Koi, in who we are? To be comfortable mm-hmm. with who we are? To love ourselves? Goddamn. I just feel that you are a walking testimony amidst so much growth and expansion that the divine asks of you to lead by example. I've always felt that you are cozy in who you are. Talk to me about 
how that resonates with you and how the evolution of you becoming more cozy and comfortable with who you are has come. Yeah. And you know, Renaissance, it took me about three times. And if Beyonce happens to listen to this, it wasn't you, sis. It was me. I had to really yeah. listen. I was like, yeah. I need to put on it's my layered. layered. You know, I need to listen in my car. And like, I am literally infatuated with this album, yes. especially understanding the backstory. And I say that to say I'm cozy in myself because I have a backstory. I wasn't always like this. And even right now, I'm going through a very, very, very tough season in my personal life. And I think for me, one therapy, I was at once a week. Right now, I'm biweekly. It helps me understand my own thoughts, my own power, but also where I could be a better steward for others. So that's one that I just, I can't not say therapy. It has allowed me to understand I'm not a victim of my circumstances, but these circumstances did create who I am and how to use that to my benefit versus to my detriment. So that's one reason. But also a lot of people just have had me fucked up for a very, very, very long time. And cut me off if I get too deep into it. But I was recently reflecting and I was trying to figure out how much I want to tell on LinkedIn, I do want to finish like this book I started writing three years ago. I just kind of trying to figure out how much I want to share of certain things yes. that, you know, maybe take from my aha factor because I'm going to call in a New York Times bestseller. OK, so it is. I mean, just here it is. Right. I had a CEO that I really, really, really admired from a previous company. And he told me when, upon my exit interview, they had me fucked up when they knew it. You know, it wasn't a secret. It was just not a good fit. After, you know, that resistance. And I just will never forget. He told me that I needed to play smaller and work for places that had zero to 25 employees so that I could really make a change and really make my difference felt because I would never get that from a larger organization. (laughs) He had me fucked up. There's no nice way to say it. And it hurt my feelings. I was offended. I was hurt. I was like, wow, I really lost the last piece of respect I had for you. Even though I didn't have it for the company, I had it for him as a human. I felt he snatched that joy away from me, that last little piece. And I was so hurt and so offended. That happened about two years ago. And I have had a pleasure of starting my own successful business. I have been able to nearly replace my income in six months of me being a full-time entrepreneur. I have been able to walk into rooms and do the same deals I was cutting for other people for myself and for people that look like me or support people that look like me. It's not just about me. So with that, I say, People challenging me and doubting me and picking apart my weaknesses and trying to extrapolate those to blow them up into this big thing. Like I can't do things without somebody else. That has made me feel good in my power because if you CEO and there's other people at very high levels that have said some jacked up things to me. Mm. If you are so rattled by my mere existence, Mm. I'm okay. That helps me feel cozy in myself. I am a force that will be reckoned with, whether you do it or not. I've moved on from that assignment. And now you have to watch me in a general audience. You're not VIP in my life anymore. You have to watch in your general audience 
and watch me flourish and do the things that you wish you had the whole balls to do. And you don't. And so for me, when I get down and discouraged about who I am, I think about that moment where he projected who he was onto me. And that's why I'm cozy. Mic drop. I'm so moved. (laughs) I have so many things to say, but I kind of want to just leave it because you and I have in common many things. But one thing that people do describe you and I as are forces to be reckoned with. I can't tell you the number of people throughout my life that tell me that. And I used to struggle with that because I'm like, well, does that mean I'm a tsunami that like crashes the party? Or does that mean that like I make people feel bad by being the full force of me? And the truth quite is we cannot diminish the force that we have. It's our gift in this life. Everybody has these gifts. And I really do think You and I have experienced extreme low points in our life from mainly the fact that we were scared of our force. Yes. Talk to me about that. You do get scared, especially when it comes to money. I mean, we can't ignore the conversation about, especially us in America, how money and not a little bit, you kind of got to have a lot to really live a certain lifestyle If you're used to that lifestyle, and I'm not talking about everybody, I'm talking about us that came from being corporate ladder climbers that wanted and chased for years the six-figure jobs so I can get this kind of house, this kind of lifestyle, these type of dating people even. You know, the corporate ladder drives a lot of why Americans see success, failure, abundance, poverty in a certain way. We have allowed corporations to create our own spectrum of abundance, essentially, right? And it's it's full of shit. And with that, I've let other people's fear, because that's really what it is. It's all about projections and reflections, I think. Yes. I've allowed other people for so long to just push their fear onto me. Like, just, well, how are you going to pay for this? Oh, you balling, huh? You know, those different limited beliefs that people kind of, in jabs, it's like that people put it in jokes and it's not funny or people just jab or chip away or even tell you things like, if you don't do this, you won't get this. And it's like, some of it may be true. I had a boss. I will never forget her. I'm not going to say her name because I cannot stand her, but I would never, ever, 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 ever forget. She told me I would never go far in data and analytics unless I learned SQL. For those that are in tech. Oh, way back. Mm -hmm. You know what SQL is. For those that are not in tech, it's essentially a data coding and mining technology that allows you to do some really cool things with data and analytics and all this other stuff. And I told her, there are people that enjoy that. I don't enjoy it and I'm never going to learn it because I don't think I have to learn it for where I want to go. And mind you, this was 27-year-old Sequoia. So I had no idea that four years later, I would be starting my own businesses. I never knew these things. I just knew that I was going to be successful. And I knew when she told me that I had quit and I did, I said, I'm going to LA. And I told my team, I'm not coming back. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. And I was like, No, seriously, I typed up my resignation letter in LA and I delivered it on her desk when I got back. And of course she did what she does and she lets me go earlier than my two weeks, which was fine. It was a paid vacation for me. But that limited belief that she put on me truly catapulted me to where now I have spoken paid around the world about what? 
data and analytics. And guess whose name has never shown up in that room? Hers, nor her entire company. For some people like me, I'm a Pisces, but I have this fiery energy up under there somewhere. Try me. If you try me, you will get the greatest piece of work. I Now that I share with Beyonce and Tiger Woods, if y'all follow them. Yeah. You try me, you doubt me, you talk shit about me. It's going to propel me into the greatest expansion of my life. And yeah. that was what helped me jump out of that fear and really just say, do your own thing, girl, because they're going to doubt you anyways, even when you're doing their thing. Yes. 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 That is the paradox of the human experience. Like we try to acclimate to other people's ways and we end up in the same place. So what does it look like to do it our way? You know, there's this quote that says, you know, the world was built by people that are no smarter than you and you can change it. We just put a lot of people on pedestals. And yet, what would it look like if we all regarded each other as the divine, as sparks of God, and that we all have genius in us, right? Absolutely. So I just feel that we're being asked, a lot of people are being asked of marginalized communities, women, men, <laughs> to step up into this higher level of themselves. But what that requires is we're going to disappoint other people. We're going to have to meet our shadow. We're going to have to look deeper at our childhood. It's hard stuff. I don't sit here and say it is not challenging. But Koi, I mean, what you and I are experiencing in our lives currently, the abundance we're experiencing, the spiritual support we feel, the soul family, the friendships, the love, that comes from that going into the that work that we've done, you know, and it pays off. It just does. does. For those that are experiencing tower moments this year where things are falling apart, relationships, businesses, careers, your health, just know that is the divine breaking through and the universe is pushing you because you're not looking where you got to look. And I think you and I challenge each other and we challenge ourselves to look at the stuff we don't want to look at. Yeah. We're all connected. And that leads me into the tea today that we're going to spill, which is on like moving through the cycles of death and rebirth in life. And it's really more the psychological, emotional, spiritual cycles of death and rebirth. And the place I want to start is when you think about the energy of death, that is an energy that humans really struggle with, yet it really should be our driving force in life. Part of this dimension, part of being human is that it is, we have a finite amount of years here, right? No one knows how much, no one knows when it's over, no one knows when our time is up in this life, in this body. And that is the beauty of life. And yet we know the quotes, we know the inspiration, we know the motivational stuff of like life is short and this and that. But how many of us are living with that knowledge? How many of us are scared to death of death, are scared to release old versions of ourselves, are scared to have an ego death, which is often what's happening. And yet when we actually go into death, that's when our greatest expansion comes and that's when rebirth can happen. It's the cycle of the butterfly the caterpillar and the butterfly, you know? So I would love to just hear what comes up for you when you think about, first and foremost, the cycles of, of death and rebirth and what you feel you're learning through that at this particular point in your life. Yeah, like this one is personal because, and, and y'all, we are very transparent. Like Lo asked me to do this podcast like two weeks ago. Yep. 
swear couldn't make it up. One of my good friends died, was murdered a week after she asked me to do this episode. And now we're a week after that, right? In her death, well, first I want to honor her. Her name is Tashika Young, and she was a victim of domestic violence. In that death that I'm still grieving, I have been called to use her name and her story to uplift and inspire others to get out while you can in domestic violence. And when you get out, also most importantly, what I've been called to do is support those once they do get out. A lot of people talk about get out, get out, get out. And for her, she did get out. But as they do, abusers do, sometimes they find you and sometimes they violate you in ways that you don't, especially those of us in Black Twitter, we always choke and this meme comes around every year about Black women and how they watch these serial killer documentaries or these crazy murder documentaries to go to sleep. And it's like, yeah, the past two weeks, I haven't been able to do it, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because it's personal to me. Her death has allowed me to, one, see what danger I was in. Earlier this year, I got out of my own emotionally abusive relationship with my ex. And I knew it was taking a toll on my business. I knew it was taking a toll on my mental health. I knew it was taking a toll on my finances. But, you know, that hard head I talked about, it took a toll on my money (laughs) to get me out. And it was just like, you know, you are draining me. And then when I did get out of the situation because he was living with me, he tore up my house. That was my, you have to go. And I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. Of course, did my necessary paperwork and everything, but I'm still here to tell the story. My dear friend is not. Mm -hmm. And in that death, it made me appreciate my life, appreciate God, holding that way closer than I did a year ago. Mm -hmm. Appreciate my friend that was there, that witnessed everything that kind of helped me, even if I want to talk myself out of, did this happen? That mirror is there and it's like, yeah, bitch, it happened. Don't try to psych yourself out. It really happened. And here is how. It helped me realize my own purpose and being able to feel comfortable or cozy to your question earlier in my own purpose. Like, is is this relationship serving my purpose? And so seeing my friend die from the very thing that I ran away from really tripped me out. I have been in therapy. I have prayed. I have cried. I've been out and about. And it truly today, I feel much more at peace with everything that has happened and not peace with how she died, because that's a whole legal thing. Right. And making sure he gets what he needs in that moment where he has to stand before courts. And then someday he's going to have to stand before our creator. Right. But. When it comes to my friend, I know that while she was here, I cherished her and she cherished me the best we could. And we were there for each other when we could. And I'm still there now after death. And the craziest part, and Lauren, I did not tell you this. I'm also on baby watch because one of my childhood friends, she was due last week. She's just waiting and kind of miserable at this point. (laughs) It's just crazy how these extreme emotions of death And now I'm at this extreme high knowing that I have another little niece coming are all happening and I can coexist in both spaces. Mm -hmm. And that's something that her death has shown me that as traumatic as it is, it is also okay to still, and my therapist tells me this, I freaking love her, but she also tells me this, I can still heal and, and, 
And so to me, every time something is birthed, every time something dies, I'm reminded equally, although extremely different emotions, Mm -hmm. I'm reminded equally of the same thing. Time is short. Live life with urgency, as Bozama St. John says, book plug. Be good to myself. Be good to the earth. Be good to your mama or whoever y'all's custodial parent is. Those are equally, through both extreme emotions, I'm reminded of the same thing. And I think that's the biggest lesson lately that Tashika has given me is that reminder that I am safe. It is unfortunate what happened to her. It should not have happened. Nobody deserves it. And it will unfortunately happen to women because that's just what abuse does, right? But I want it to happen less and less and less and less. And that's my charge that I have to keep. So even in her death, it birthed something inside of me. Like what organizations can my business give to every month? Do I need to increase my giving from just finances to being physically there? Mm -hmm. Do I need to support her children in a way that's different than previously? And on and on and on. Mm -hmm. That is something that I felt. I've had several major deaths that have happened this pandemic to me with friends. And this was by far the most life-changing of them all. And not because those people weren't important. It was because it was like a a crescendo. It was like, I'm going to reach this moment where all you can do is come back down and realize what those moments were teaching you. And I think that's where I'm at in this season is here's all my data. Here's all my experiences. Now, sis, just sit for a second and analyze it before you try to make it pretty. And that's what I'm doing in this season. Wow. That was so beautifully articulated, love. I just want to honor Tashika and I want to honor her soul. I want to honor what she did in this life and the people she impacted and her spirit and her energy and her beauty and her magnetism because I know that she was a beautiful soul and touched a lot of people and also was a force. And I just want to honor her and I I really pray that she is experiencing bliss right now. So me too. And thank you for doing that. Yeah. You know, and I want to honor you too. I'm getting a little emotional, but I just want to honor you for vulnerably sharing all of that because I know that we wanted to have this conversation to really open this up. Mm-hmm. This is the stuff. This is the hard parts of life. We live on planet earth. It is a planet of duality. It is a planet of light and dark. And I do think that a lot of us are being asked to not run away from these hard moments in life to your point, but it's not to make us suffer and sit in it forever. It's alchemy, it's transmutation, it's transformation. And you have done this beautiful it's like pure alchemy to me, the way you've processed this the last couple of weeks at publicly, privately, the way you've shared so beautifully about your connection with her and also how it has impacted you. And I just want to honor you and, and thank you for bringing that to this space because grief is real. Death is real. Abuse is real. And one of the things, as you know, domestic abuse is, is one of the biggest causes that I care about and House of Low supports because, and I think there's a lot of victims of abuse in the LGBTQI community, the Black community, 
women, men. I mean, it's all across the board, but it has affected women for centuries. Mm-hmm. Women have been taking physical, emotional, and psychological abuse for centuries. And mm-hmm. the time is up. I know you and I really care about this cause. And so anyone that's listening, if you know organizations that you feel are doing the work on the ground for this cause, please, please get in touch with us because I really, it's a big place that I pour money into because you're right. You know, anyone that's a victim of domestic abuse, it's less about, it is getting out of it, but it's like, how am I going to be supported? Because most people are staying in those relationships because they have no money. And they have nowhere to go. And the the abuser is using scarcity, using the money that to hang over people's heads, yes. keep them in that. So it is about, like you said, providing the resources. But I wanted to see if there was anything else you wanted to say first on domestic abuse as a whole. And if you want to call it out in terms of anything you've experienced, people you know that have experienced this, especially in the Black community, because I don't think it's talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Where is it prevalent and why in our culture? You bring up something that I never really processed it that way. And and before we jump on the call, me and Lauren were kind of going in about, you know, a religion and how that looks with abundance and other controlling systems and not controlling, meaning we don't believe or subscribe to some of them, but the order of the world and the people that create orders of the world, be it through law, legal, finance, whatever, all of them are rooted in If you don't do A, then you don't get B and you damn sure don't get C. Mm -hmm. And it's the limited belief. And with abuse, I mean, I can tell you how many times I've been told I'm going to be lonely. I'm not going to make as much money that I think I'm going to be able to make. You can't do anything without me or you can't do it the way it is. Something's wrong with you. It's always these tricks of really the lack of abundance. You're not going to be loved the right way. You're not going to be able to pay your bills. You're not going to look a certain way. I mean, all of them, no matter how poor or how wealthy the abuser is, it's the same script over and over because they try to kill these pieces in you along the way. And when they see that they've dimmed that light here, they know that they've birthed something on the opposite side. So if I dim your light and say, hey, I'm going to kill this piece of you that was really excited about your brand new business and you knew that you could do this business. But I just told you that you can't do it without me because you you need me. And it sounds crazy. And they don't say it like this either, y'all. Let's be very clear. They don't say it this plain. It's just one of those, I can't live without you. Fuck that shit. It's not romantic. Stop lying. I don't need anybody telling me that. Mm -mm. And maybe some people on this podcast listening may disagree, but there are a lot of things. My therapist said something very just mind-blowing to me. She said, Disney with little girls is Mm -hmm. by far damaging. Most damaging. Far more than social media because it taught us that to get love, it shows up as a fairy tale. It shows up as Prince Charming. But if you rewatch those movies in your adult eyes, a lot of them had abusive tendencies from the men that were in their life, from their dads chaining them up and acting like they can't go anywhere to a man passing them around a whole freaking camp and so on and so forth, right? That stuff comes in us. So when those people that are studying us, we love a good story about, oh, I've watched you from around the way. And it sounds great until they use it against you. They know that you're triggered by certain things. They don't kill you 
just so fast. They will now. They will if you let it go on. But they kill these little pieces inside of you so that they can birth and create the woman that they want for them and nobody else. And that's why you have people like my dear friend who was carrying her third child by this man and he killed her while pregnant. How crazy is that? Yeah. If that's not a death and birth story in one, I mean, just it's mind boggling, right? But when you talk about people that are not vibrating at the levels that we're at, it may not manifest in a physical death, right? We hope it doesn't, right? Right. But what about those little spiritual deaths where you look back 10 years and it's like, who the hell am I? How did this happen? That is a tactic of abusers. And if there is anything I could tell someone about abuse is that it doesn't necessarily look the way you think it looks. And for the smart women in the room, which is every single listener, you will analyze yourself out of your out and into your own abuse. So be careful. Yes. Call things as they are. Be sure enough of yourself to know that I did not like the way he talked to me at week three. In every space, career, in, in business, yes. doctors, health. Any coach you're working with, romance, obviously, yes. friendships. I think friendships is where friendships there's a lot of abuse happening. A lot of abuse happening in friendships and family, of course. Like it, it's in every space. And thank you for sharing all of that so profoundly, Koi, because this is the stuff. And I, I want to be a space where we talk about these these more intense parts of life that a lot of us have to experience. And so I agree with you, like abuse is a a multidimensional. And there's a lot of people that would say, I've never ended up in a situation like that until you do. And you're like, how, like you said, how did I get here? But you're right. A lot of us are going through these like ego deaths, like spiritual deaths. And people ask me all the time with abundance specifically, which I know we love to talk about you and I, where are the biggest breakthroughs with abundance, with calling in money, with calling in opportunities? I often think it's when we release. Sometimes we release relationships. We release business that no longer serves us and the most comes in. And I know this is the biggest pain for people in life is to navigate the death of relationships that aren't abusive. Like there's a certain letting go we have to do on earth. It's just part of it. It's detachment. It's being unattached to, and also honoring the cycles of why people are in our lives and when it's time to go, you know, talking about that. Yeah, because and it's something that you just made me think of, two things. One is that even though a relationship isn't good for you, it doesn't mean it's abusive. So I like to make sure we say that. Right. But Sequoia, I think that when a relationship is not good for you, the relationship may not be abusive between you two, but the relationship between you and yourself is. Oh, wow. I never even thought of it that way. Talk about it. When you know... That something, it's kind of like my food and my eating. Right now, I'm having an abusive relationship with food, y'all. It <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like, we laugh about it, but We're it's all like, guilty. Oh, like, We're all guilty. You know, I'm, I'm going through a tough time. I'm like, listen, I'm going to eat this steak if I want it because it makes me feel better. Yep. But, you know, I've been yep. doing this for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, girl, you know you can't keep eating this steak mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. these carbs because I have an inflammatory disease. Mm-hmm. If I keep eating this way, 
my body is going to inflame and I'm going to have some medical issues, right? If I keep doing that stuff and I keep convincing myself, oh, girl, you can still slip it in. Yeah, you can still have that. And I convince myself I manipulate my own self. Yes. Yes. That's what we do in relationships. So I don't think every relationship is abusive between partners. But if you stay in something that is not serving you a job friendship, and I'm not talking about serving you on a surface level because you can always replace that. Yes. I'm talking about serving your inner core. When you wake up, you are at peace. When you go to sleep, you're at peace. It becomes an abusive relationship with yourself. There's a song by Monica called Love All Over Me. And I freaking love it. Oh, so good. Yes. yes, And and although that relationship didn't end the way she wanted, I was glad she got out when she did because he was just, you know, the story. If y'all follow Monica, he just was a, a serial cheater and she left for her and her children. But the song that she created when she thought it was pure, she said, it's this part that just always threw me as a young adult. Then now 15, I think the song may be like 13, 15 years old. That makes me now hear it different. And it says, even my skin is changing. Mm. And I remember as a a kid, I'm like, girl, what you talking about your skin changing? But now that I've been through something, even your skin changes. And skin means your physical being, how we show up, how people see us. That love all over you and your body, once these little mini ego deaths have happened, that's another album by the internet, by the way. It's an amazing album that can like soundtrack this whole conversation. But all those little mini ego deaths, you realize that Yes, when I shed these things, I do show up differently. I literally look different. People be like, oh, you lost weight. And it's like, they don't know what the fuck is going on, right? They just saying something because they don't know how to describe that aura about you. That glow, yes. That glow, the confidence. And that's the part that I think people don't talk about. You can have all the beauty products in the world, but if you are in a shitty place, it is going to look different than when you're not. And it's that releasing of things, bag lady for those hip hop heads, okay? Uh, yes. Releasing those bags yes. that's dragging you down and making you show up a certain way. It's a power and a release, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like being constipated. Who wants to be constipated? It make your back hurt. You right. might sweat. You might be all these different vile reactions right. being constipated. But soon as you release, right? Not to get graphic, oh. but as soon as you release that constipation, it's like, child, I'm fine. I just had to use bathroom. Yes. I mean, we've all been there. We have. And and the lightness that we feel when we when we really release the burdens that that we've allowed to weigh on us, you know, and take up space. I'm obsessed with this concept right now of what are we allowing, good or bad, positive or negative, to take up space in our lives. And relationships take a big piece of the pie. Family, friendships, business relationships, romance. And I just feel that you're right. From a young age, as a woman, we are taught that the ultimate in life, the ultimate is to be chosen. This is what we're taught. Now, men have a whole different level of what they're taught that screws from a young age. So that's, it's honoring both, in my opinion, because I feel like we can't always make them the villain because they're also told to never cry and feel any emotions that they feel from five years old. So there's that. But like, as a woman, we're taught to be chosen and the ultimate is to be chosen by a man. 
And yet what we do throughout our lives is we don't choose ourselves. Yes. We don't ever feel enough. When is enough? When am I going to be enough? When am I going to be enough? And every woman is asking herself this and trying to mold herself into the version our culture currently pedestals and celebrates, right? And this is not to put shade on any woman, but like the truth, this is why I say we're at war with our bodies. Most women in our culture currently, it is drastically shifting, thank God. I know we talked about this with G, but it's like ultimately small is good in our culture. Small, 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 small. Right. Physical body being small and skinny is extremely celebrated in our culture. Mainly what it is, is a consciousness of small. Talk to me about that part, Koi, and also what it looks like for us to choose ourselves. Yeah. Well, you know, I tell things through stories and it's funny you bring up the small thing. I will never forget. Talk about some trauma that you you healed through it, but you didn't forget, right? (laughs) I will never forget in the sixth grade, I had this really nasty, nasty, nasty teacher. She was like a one and done at our school, like one year and then you got to go. And (laughs) she she was. And I I went to a very prestigious school in Augusta, Georgia, a fine arts magnet school. And it was very parent oriented. The parents, like if they not feeling it, then you got to go. I was very thankful for that relationship with the school because she traumatized me. And there was a young man, and to this day, we are okay now, but he, as an adult, has apologized to me. He used to have a nervous tick and he would flip up his pencil. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about all the time. Yeah. Tap, 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 flip the pencil. He was skinny and scrawny. I sat behind him. And at the time, sixth grade, Lauren can see me, but I have glasses. At the time, I did not know I needed glasses. So I'm sitting like second row, Mm -hmm. struggling seeing, trying to figure that diagnosis out because I didn't know I needed glasses. And there's this dude tapping and throwing his pencil up in front of me. I can't see the freaking board. And so I snapped. Like I was just, I just remember very soon. I was like, hey, can you stop with that freaking pencil? Mm -hmm. And I got detention. And she gave me not just one hour, not just two, five hours of detention. Because she said that I antagonized him. Mind you, I had told her, hey, can you please tell him to stop doing this? Hey, I really can't see. Hey, can you move me up? And it was always, oh, well, people can't see around you. I was tall. I've been 5'7". Since like probably fifth grade. I've always been a heavier girl and taller. I just remember that. That I had to be in a discomfortable position for his comfort and because of my size to him and I will never forget she and at the time I did not even know what antagonistic meant I had to ask my mom yeah See, I'm, in the, I'm in like the six no I'm in the eighth grade eighth grade sixth grade somebody else eighth grade and I just remember her saying she was antagonistic to him mm-hmm. and my mom says well why is it because she's bigger than him mm-hmm. because she's been telling me She's asked you to help to move her at a different part. She's asked you to ask him, can he please stop twirling his pencil? She can't see. She's asked you to have him stop tapping because it's distracting her. And you have chosen not to do anything for her comfort, but has done everything for his. And mind you, this was a black woman, which was very rare at my school too. Mm-hmm. He was a white boy. Mm-hmm. In her trauma for her, now I see this as an adult. Yeah. She grew up. I remember this story where she told us when Martin Luther King died, her family migrated to Chicago and that's where she grew up, right? She was raised around white comfort and white male fragility. It was uncomfortable to her. 
Yes. To move me, who could have been bigger than him, yes. which puts her in a situation where his parents could say he say she. As an adult, I understand that. But as a child, it broke my spirit. It always made right. me feel and realize I'm bigger than people. My yes. size intimidates people. I don't have the highest pitched voice. That's yes. scary. I've been told if I lean like this, it, it intimidates people. I'm told if I lean like this, it intimidates. And I wish y'all could see what gestures I'm making. These are things I have been taught literally up through that same job with the lady that I told y'all about earlier at that massive media conglomerate. Yeah. The way I do things that are exact mirrors of smaller people in front of me, that is too much. It's aggressive. Size matters and people have to feel comfortable in their own bodies. Mm -hmm. And what we see now, bringing it back to the topic, you have women, namely, dying mm -hmm. to be smaller. It's mm -hmm. different back then when it's like, okay, well, they're going to die through like bulimia and anorexia. That still happens. But right now you have people dying on medical tables in different countries, especially black women and women of color. Yes. And poor women, yes. because they can't afford it in America or wherever safe, because all safe doctors are not just in America. So I'm not saying that. No. But in these countries where the standards are not the same, where you can't live through your entire healing process to get the monitoring, where you're not sure what these chemicals are, all these things to be smaller. Yes. People are dying physically, but they're also dying spiritually to shrink themselves. Right. To fit someone else's ever-changing mold. Marilyn Monroe was called plus size. I know. When she was around. And yes. in today's time, she's a smooth size, like four six. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. It changes. It's cyclical. Every time an ideology dies, every time these things change in the world, when the world is on fire right now, or we've lost millions of people to COVID, monkeypox, whatever the hell else they want to cook up, Right. Every time it creates a different standard. Right now, the standard is body positivity. Mm -hmm. But even that is debated when you have a girl this weekend post butt ball naked in front of her school statue at a historically Black institution, right? Mm -hmm. There's something in her, which is interesting because she's a counseling major. Mm -hmm. Something in her has died to where she feels like to do that. That's what I need to put out there to get my music off the ground, to get my personality off the ground, to do all these things. When it's like, sis, you don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. So between women dying physically <laughs> to look certain ways, and then women who literally you killed your career. And now, granted, she's gonna find something. I, I think she's smart enough to find something. But right now, you've killed your own brand that hasn't even got off the ground. Yeah. Because something inside of you has not been birthed. That's something I want women to get from this conversation is really that accountability inside and really understand what happens to me in those pendulum swings of emotions. What happens to me mm -hmm. when I grieve? How do I show up for myself first yes. and then others yes. and at the end of the day, if it requires me to change to be a better human being, be humble enough to rebirth that ego and rebirth that strength to take care of your shit, sis. That's what being a grown woman is about. 
I'm actually speechless. This is the second time on the podcast I've ever been speechless. The first was with Nikita, who I know you listened to. Oh, hers was so good. The second is this moment. I don't know what to say. Well, you know, we are so sisters, so maybe it's the AKA thing. I don't I'm know. so <laughs> by everything you just shared. And the first place I want to go with what you shared is these beliefs in our culture have violent consequences. They take us to a dark place. And some of us make really bad physical choices in our life based on some of these beliefs. You and I have the same in common. I have been tall since I was born. I was big and big is relative, but I was tall. I mean, I'm five, nine and a half. Like I was tall. I had a low voice like you. I was curvier, thicker, whatever we want to call it. Fat. Like I don't care whatever the word is. And it's been the biggest hurdle, the biggest mountain that I still climb to this day. Because the reality is when you are in a presence, I think all of us have our own unique power and the lifetime, like everybody's life is about discovering what their power is. But for you and I, my heart's beating right now, as I say this, this is my soul being like, yep, say it, say it, say it. For you and I, part of our power in this life is our presence, our presence, Koi. We walk into a room and everyone looks for better or worse, by the way. I know they're not all looking like, wow, amazing, but they're looking. And what I have struggled with since I was a child was everyone's looking at me. Like you can't miss me. It's like I said, I recently posted about this. Like you can't miss me. It's not even just like being bigger. It's like we have this big presence. That's our soul. That's like our aura, our energetic field for those spiritual people, our fellow soul family. It's like we have an aura. And then the body, our body is physically big, quote unquote, tall, because it's holding how much energy we're here to bring, you know? Yes. It's like, Koi, when you walk in a room, everyone feels it. They feel yes. your energy is big. And that's me too. And so, you know, you could put that in so many different, there's women that have different experiences with that, you know? Because I just think that even my smaller friends, physically, quote unquote, they struggle with being big. They struggle yes. with being loud. They struggle with speaking their truth. We all have the same struggle, but it's like, when are we going to step into the fullness of ourselves then? When, when, when we're 70 and part of, I feel like what I'm doing recently is I'm making these decisions about my life from the perspective of my 80 year old self. If I make it, what's she going to think? Is she going to be happy that I stayed in that apartment and didn't travel? Is she going to be happy that I tortured myself about not being in a romantic relationship? And what does that mean about me? Is she going to be happy? Is she going to be happy that I worked more? Is she going to be happy that I dimmed myself? No. She's saying right now to me, my future self is saying, get to it. What are you doing? This life is short. We're going to die. So I just, I feel like you and I are experiencing these phases in our life through the many cycles of death and rebirth of it's time, not 10 years from now. You know what I mean? It's time now to step into the fullness of who we are. And I just pray that everyone, everyone under the sun can do this. But I especially pray that women continue to because we have struggled with being the fullness of who we are for centuries, since the beginning of time. So I I love that. I mean, a little on a lighter note, you know, if I have to end up at a nursing home, I need some really good stories. Damn it. I need some really good stories. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to be the old prude at the nursing home? I need to be the lit granny. That's like, yeah, y'all. That's (laughs) right. 
(laughs) (laughs) I agree with you, babe. And I, I think too, it's like, what does it look like to choose yourself like fully and not care who chooses you? Because if we don't choose ourselves, if we're struggling with being in our vessel, with being how we are, we'll never attract in conscious relationships and people see us. It's like, even right now being around you, this is how I know we're soul family. My frequency is heightened. It's like, I feel it feels good. Oh my God. I feel so uplifted, but yet so comfortable. And I feel like I can be exactly who I am around you. That's soul family. And I feel like the earth right now, the shifts that are happening 2022, it's like a lot of relationships are coming apart that are out Mm -hmm. of alignment. And it's creating this landscape to come together with the people that we're really supposed to be with. You know, yes. what's your perspective on that? Did you listen to Plastic Off the Sofa? The oh yeah, oh yes, I did. I love that. Is my Ooh, favorite. That's my second favorite. That's my entire, second. Mm-hmm. And I mind you, these my favorite changes every day. So it has yeah. only been out since Friday, y'all. Yeah. It's Monday, August first. I love the lyrics about this song, and it talks about. For those that may not be familiar with plastic on the sofa, back in the day, Black people, namely, not just Black people, but mostly that I know of, if we had a house, you designated one room of the house, namely white, a white room in the 70s, 80s, early 90s, that nobody could come in and sit down. And if they sat down, it was probably on some plastic on the sofa. Even the room that's not the white room, you have the, some people call them dens, some people call them living room, you know, different vernacular, yep. different regions. Yep. But when you hang out in the den, you know, where you really live in or the living room, that sofa is going to have some plastic on there because you want to preserve it. Yep. Now, these sofas, it don't matter how worn they are. For whatever reason, we still want to preserve it. That sofa can have a lean on it, but we still got the plastic on the sofa because we want to preserve it. We want to be able in its shits and shambles to yes. pull that plastic off and it still <laughs> looks the way yes. it's supposed to look. But what at least the song meant to me was that you can do all that, but do you really want to be in relationships with people that got to put plastic on the sofa? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to be able to be your full authentic self and love somebody else in their full authentic self. If you took two plastics together, they going to stick. Yeah. And it ain't going to feel good. It's not going to look good. It's not going to smell good. I mean, if y'all remember how those things smell, right? Yeah. And then over time, when the grandma does take the plastic off the sofa 20 years later, it's not even clear anymore. It's brown. Because yeah. the energy still transferred to that. That song resonated with me. I don't even remember your question, but that was what was told on my heart. It resonated with me as far as how I want to show up for myself, yes. how I want to show up for others. I think that was a question, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it resonated with me. And I was like, man, you really got to just show up. And yeah, of course, authentic Sequoia, authentic Lauren will have to tailor that to certain experiences that deserve yes. that, right? At work, they don't yes. deserve my 100% full Sequoia. Fuck that. It's work. But you still can see me. Remember at the top of the call, those identifiers I had. You can still see I'm a Black woman with my natural hair and I love hip-hop, my yep. mama, and oh. Chick-fil-A. And that's just going to be me till the day I die. And that is what brings me comfort in ways I want to show up for myself and others. It's that plastic off the sofa for me. 
Oh, it's so profound and it's so true, you know? And I will say, you're going to laugh at this. Italians have plastic on the side. Yeah, it's not just us. It's not just us. I will say, I mean, people are probably going to throw shade at me for saying this, but Black people and Italian people, I feel like- we very close? From the same cloth. Okay, I feel it. I feel it. I used to watch the Sopranos in Southern Italy and Northern Africa, we play. We've been playing. Okay. But the point is like, the plastic, I, love that. I remember my great-grandmother, my grandmother. It is such a symbolism of like protecting what is sacred, but also who are we letting in our space? And like, yes. I remember my grandmother, she would direct them to that room. Yes. Like, the, uh-oh. That's the I can't. Oh my God. It's true. It's such a, I love that you brought that up because it's such a beautiful, like, it's symbolic of how to be in life, you know? And you've done such a beautiful job. This is where I want to take us next. I think since the day I met you, I have always been profoundly moved by how transparent you are and authentic. This word authentic, it's thrown around in our culture. I'm so sick of it, to be honest, because the people preaching about authenticity are lying. They're not even being oh, yeah. Like the authentic Lolo is this voice. Like, see how loud yeah. I got because I felt comfortable. Like that's me, yeah. you know? And then the other side of me is deeply emotional and sensitive and quiet and Pisces. <laughs> so it's like, I just feel that you have always, I mean, I know you've changed so much since I met you and so have I, but like you still to this day have that same essence you had when I met you, which is you move from a space of authenticity and transparency in your life that I think people are very envious of, to be honest, because it takes tremendous courage to be that authentic. It takes tremendous self-empowerment, in my opinion. And I would just love, because I, I do think it's one of your gifts. Like it's like, it's a soul quality. It's like your soul came into this life and you've been through a lot, but like your soul was like, I'm going to be like, authentic. Like I will struggle to not be authentic. It's a gift you have. And I think it's one of the things you're here to teach and lead by example, just being that way. Talk to me about like where that comes from for you, you believe, and how you continue to like be more and more that. Yeah. You know, and, and my mom, she listens to everything. So I hope she's not, I I hope she's not offended by this, but a lot of it came from seeing how my mom had to survive through Uh life, you know, military mother, yep, army at that, a black short little thing. My mother's tiny. She's like five, two mm-hmm. and tiny, like sm- small weight size as well. Yeah. Slim was her, uh, was her old <laughs> nickname. I'm slim. <laughs> <laughs> slim. Okay. But she, right. you know, when you're in the army, you're told what to do. You're told mm-hmm. when to do it, how to do it, et cetera. Yes. And my mom, was amazing in the military. She retired as a sergeant first class. She was an amazing leader. She just retired again from the state of Georgia and also still being within law enforcement and really changing the lives of thousands of people. But at the same time, for me, I saw how much of her personality did not shine 100% through those jobs. I think as she got more comfortable and the world got a little more comfortable as time went on, she could share that, right? Because that industry changed. Yeah. So I'm not blaming her at all. You showed up, you had to provide for your family, you did what you need to do. And I admire her tenacity and grace in doing it. It's something I wish I had, you know, in the way that she did. But for me, I saw how much she was different outside of work. 
Yeah. And as an adult woman, it's like that has got to be exhausting. You know, like you're weighing on you, like you have these uniforms with all the belts and the guns and the tasers and the badges. You got to wear your hair a certain way. You got to show up. You got to address people a certain way. You have to be in this box. And then when you're mom, you're the softest person ever when you want to (laughs) be. But you know, she's mom that shows up at every, see my mother has missed out of all the performances I've had since pre-K. I've been performing since pre-K. I think my mother, if I'm not mistaken, she has missed one. And that was because my grandmother's husband died. Yeah, it's so beautiful. But I wish some people saw that earlier in her career. And so for me, it always made me feel like no matter what, especially because of what I do for a living, it's not law enforcement. So it will always put me in a certain financial bracket. Yes. The certain gifts I have. Yes. I always felt like, girl, do what you want to do. I'm a baby sister. My sister's 10 years older than me. She's a nurse. And there's a certain way she has to show up. Now, it's not as rigid as my mother, but you can't just do anything when you got to take care of people and save their lives. So for me, I felt like they always raised me to show up, piss them off because I piss them off all the time. But also, as long as I'm doing it out of truth and love, I can do it. And so for me, I'm not worried about impressing people outside. It's my mom and my sister I got to get through. But that was my catalyst is just seeing, you know, my mom had to take off that uniform. And I mean, this is heavy equipment. Yeah. And this is just the physical side. I don't know about symbolic. It's symbolic. It's symbolic for, exactly. And so for me... I never wanted to work somewhere or do certain things that would make me have to mask my true self. I choose to mask certain parts of me. Like people don't need to know no. certain parts of me. Like, I, like why? Like right. weird shit at the agency where people are like, where do you live? Are you going to show up? Like, I don't, I don't need to unmask that. <laughs> like what? That was literally my response. I was just like, why? But... I did feel empowered to tell this girl, why do you need to know that information? Are you going to show up? (laughs) But that's for me. Lauren, you know me. So you know that's how it really went down. And they were offended. But guess what? In that offense, they got challenged. I asked, what do you need to know that information for? And now they'll say, hopefully they second guess. Stop asking people where they live. Yeah. It it literally is the most irrelevant icebreaker I've ever heard in my life. But I mean, that cultish culture, that's what they do. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, the people that need to know those elements of me, they will know them. But Mm -hmm. for me, it is my duty to the younger generation. My niece that's sitting here with me for the week. It's my duty to let little girls know and grown ones, but namely little ones know that in your quirkiness and your whatever that looks like for you, you are empowered to be whatever woman you want to be. And then if you're 20 and you don't like that woman, then guess what? You can work on her when you turn 30 and you don't like that woman, you can work on her again so that we get some real good stories in the nursing homes. Cause honey, we're going to be cracking up in there. You and I'll be together in there. I can't (laughs) wait. As long as it's on like a mossy coast, then we can, we can. Our nursing home will be like on the French Riviera where Jihan's big mansion's going to be. There we go. There we go. (laughs) But I I agree with you, babe. It's so powerful. And I think there's something to be said for trusting. This is like, this comes full circle back to like, 
I just think humans struggle to trust themselves. I just, Absolutely. we're at war with trusting our own inner guidance. We're looking for all these people outside of us to tell us what to do. Nobody knows what to do. We're all doing our best at earth school. That's what I call it. Yes. I feel like, what does life look like when we make choices fully from our own inner guidance system, our intuition, our inner trust, our gut, whatever you want to call it. And I think one of the pieces that you and I are experiencing is the more we become our authentic selves, people actually can come into our lives that are a match for our fullest self. I've met so many people in the last couple months that I truly think if I didn't make the changes I made recently, they would not have come into my life. They would not, I would not be a vibrational match for them. And I, I feel like I'm unleashing myself lately. I feel like I'm becoming more of who I am and like stepping more into my power. And all of a sudden I'm manifesting, not consciously, it's like, all of a sudden, this one's connecting me with a very famous speaker. All of a sudden, I'm going on dates with next level men. They're calling me up to my next level of expansion. Brand. Right, meet your friends for me, Lauren. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> but it's like, I wouldn't be a match for them if I wasn't just right. trusting. And also just being happy with being my author. I'm not doing it to call in more. It's like, I'm doing it because I can't play the game anymore that I yes. want to play where I'm dimming myself. It's exhausting. And it manifests in the body too. It manifests in health, mental health issues. Like the body keeps score. And our body will tell us when something's out of alignment, especially relationships, you know? So yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like you and I are both experiencing yes. this like, wow, when we actually are our authentic selves, look who comes in. And you know something that just dropped in on me? Because I know I sent you the picture of that real tiramisu and I was like, Lauren. So y'all, I went to New York for a conference last week and or two weeks ago. I went, my, my friend Giovanni, she's amazing. Now she's a six foot goddess, okay? And she yes. has my confidence. I asked her, I said, girl, how do you just, you have no problem. She's like, oh, because my mama told me People are going to look at me anyway, so I might as well hold my head up high. Oh my and God, I love been, that. I loved it. And she just, I love traveling with her and getting an, our friendship deepening because she teaches me so much about confidence and accepting myself. And we love to eat together. So that's kind of like our family. Yes. And so we, when we were in New York, she says, well, I have one place I really want to go. I would love to take you. It's like, I come, when I go, I go to this place. It was called Raphael's. If I'm oh, not I've been there. Uh-huh. The little quaint little Italian. Oh, it's bomb. Oh, it's, it's so good. so good. And so I didn't check the reviews. I trusted her. Mm-hmm. I am a review queen. My, I'm database. I love to look at reviews. It's data. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't look at it. I said, all right, cool. As long as my friend, I was meeting up with a friend there or out. And I said, well, let's do it together. As long as my friend could come, is that cool? She says, yeah, no problem. He was going to be late anyways. So I was like, all right, cool. And so we sat there. And then I just want to bring this story to life for y'all. If y'all can dream with me. I've never heard this place in my life. It's not Olive Garden. It's not Carabas. It's not all those chains. It's this, as she says, it's authentic Italian. Yeah. Walk in the menu. Just regular, you know, it tells us all the stuff that's there. I mean, I, this stuff I've never heard of. I'm like, Carabas don't serve this, you know? And yes. it's, it's things that I just, and I do eat well, but I I don't think I've ever experienced authentic Italian food. I live in Georgia. Mm. I don't think I've ever experienced you gotta come to food. the You got to come to the Guerreri's. You'll eat well here. Listen, honey. <laughs> I, We're already planning the trip, I know. We can, plan, we can oh. get this trip popping, okay? But all the places I have been, even the place that me and you went to in Pont City Market, yes. 
authentic is everywhere. Authentic Italian, authentic this, authentic that, authentic this. It's like overkill mm. of them communicating that it's authentic. And you see this a lot with ethnic cuisine everywhere. Yes. So when I went in Raphael's, it was this cute, quaint restaurant in the city. I mean, absolutely beautiful. Probably underappreciated from a design standpoint. It's like somebody's house almost, right? Yeah. Beautiful restaurant. And you walk in, there's nothing that says authentic anywhere. So I eat my food. It was this, uh, he taught me how to say certain words. I'm not going to say it because I'm not going to trip myself up with, with an Italian on the call. But he taught me how to say certain things I had been taught differently, how you pronounce things. Yeah. He showed me what sparkling water they drink and that they import. Yes. And we were the only people in the restaurant. It was during lunch or early dinner. I just remember just in thinking and through our discussion today, nothing said authentic. And it was something about getting that tiramisu. I had eaten tiramisu for years. I love it, especially with a vanilla latte at the middle of the night. <laughs> it's like our thing. Number one favorite dessert. Of Number all. one, tiramisu is just delicious, but oh. you have to have a palate for it. It's not the same. It's not like a. It's not chocolate. Not overly cake. sweet, really. It's kind of like um naturally sweet, right? Yes. And it's this combination of like coffee, a coffee taste, mascarpone cheese. It's just it's dreamy. It is. And I've been eating it for years and thinking, oh, I finally found somewhere that makes it authentic in Atlanta. So I get this dish. And I'm like, this is tiramisu. He's like, yes, this is how whoever's grandmother makes it or whatever. And I sent the picture to Lauren and I said, yo, I am eating real tiramisu and it is delicious. There was nowhere on that menu that said authentic. I leave that with saying, sometimes you can't say it enough. You just have to be it. And people that know will know that that is the real deal. Mm. And that is authentic. It shows up in every flavor of your life. You can see it all the way through. Mm. And now I want some authentic tiramisu again because I'm hungry. (laughs) But it's, you know, that's what it is. That was a beautiful place to bring us to, Koi. Thank you. And for anyone listening, tiramisu means pick me up. It means cheer me up. So there's nothing that will cheer you up more than tiramisu. <laughs> so good. I never knew what it stood for. That actually That's makes powerful. me feel better. And, you know, I think that you're right. We don't have to say we're being our authentic self. We just have to be it. And I would encourage anyone listening to really reflect on what would it look like for me to be fully who I am? How would I move through the world? How would I talk to people? How would I show up in any space How would I dress? How would I adorn myself? How would I talk to myself, treat myself? Like it goes on and on. And these are the questions that the divine is asking the human race to think about because everyone is living from this place of being at war with themselves, which makes them treat their fellow humans like shit. That's what creates violence and power and greed and oppression is the inner war. It's like you said at the top, everyone is projecting onto us their own shit. And what I really believe is happening at the core of all these shifts and chaos, the earth is going through this transitional time right now is we're all being asked to face ourselves in the mirror. It's the hardest Mm. to do. It just is. And it is not a one and done process. It's 
a constant cycle of death and rebirth. So I thank you, Queen, for coming on and talking about this very complex, difficult, beautiful, heartbreaking, heart-opening conversation because it feels like no one's talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I thank you for shining a light on the issue of domestic abuse. And I thank you for speaking so personally and authentically about your own story. I honor Tashika. I honor her life. And I pray that we all can continue to break free for sure. So I would love for you to leave us with any rituals that you feel help you right now or help you in life as you go through these like cycles, you know, what rituals help you take care of yourself during these death and rebirth phases that, that we go through anything you feel called to share. Yeah. Two things for the ones that everybody can do. And then the ones that maybe everybody can't do one. I love baths. Mm -hmm. It can be at your house. It can be at a bath house. It could be a pool, any submerging myself in water. Mm -hmm preferably warm water mm-hmm. does something to me. Now, maybe it's the Pisces in me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But submerging myself in warm water, if it's a bath at house, I love bath salts. Please do not inhale them or anything weird like those people are doing a few years ago. But I love bath salts, bath bombs, things that when I get out of that water, my skin is left not only clean, but also kind of glistening, oiled. I love looking buttery. So I love bath oils and things that I can literally sit in. So when I found out, like with my friend, I took like a two hour bath and just mm-hmm. was sitting there, not doing nothing, not on the phone, not scrolling, not even reading, letting my mind rest. Yes. On the higher end, I enjoy travel. Travel, depending on your limitations, you may not be able to do something luxurious, But travel could be anything as far as outside of your home and traveling somewhere that you are not sleeping in your home. It can even be at a loved one's home, but something that is outside of your home and not in view of your home. So not your neighbor's house because you can see your house, but somewhere other than your home that you can't see your home. I love that all the way up into I love luxury travel. I've more recently been able to meet friends as well as my own personal abundance that take me with them. Saying yes to travel and traveling different than how I normally travel has been one of the best rituals I have done. And it sounds crazy. Like, how is it a ritual? I make sure once a quarter, I'm somewhere. Yes. Somewhere. Even if it's on a friend's sofa, I'm somewhere. And hopefully I can, for me, my goal next year is to start a cycle of one luxury trip a year that has to happen like at a certain time so that I hold myself accountable. It is just something magical about traveling. And I know everybody's different with their comfort, but preferably somewhere that speaks a different language because the way they see things is different. And just you being uncomfortable because you can't speak, you may not can speak it. It forces you to eat different, think different and relax different because you don't know what the hell these people saying. You got to trust that they're telling you the truth. You have to trust that your Google Translate is telling you the truth. You got to trust yourself and your instincts to do that. So I really encourage regularly, even if it's one time a year, once every two years, travel somewhere that does not speak the language you speak, do it safely and just allow that to relax your mind and understand how much you relate to other people and can learn to other people. And they have absolutely, y'all have absolutely no idea of what each other is saying. You just have that energy between humans shared. 
Wow. Those are so powerful. I couldn't agree with you more on travel. The reason to incorporate travel as a ritual is because it shakes up the energy. Like when you're in your house and your routine and you're going through a tough time, it can feel like you're getting lost in that sauce. Shaking it up, it actually, I think, grounds us and brings us perspective of how big the world really is. The world's small and the world's big. And how many, you're right, like I love going and immersing myself in cultures, whether it's around the country or outside the country that are living differently from the way I live in day to day. And I feel like it like activates in me the next level of freedom, to be honest. And it shows me what's possible. That's what I think travel does for all of us, whether Mm -hmm. you're going to a friend's house and just being immersed in their energy or you're going 3000 miles away. It's like you see that there's like a different way to live and it's just inspiring. And as I embark on this very long chapter that I'm going to be doing of travel, I already see the power and potency of it. So I love that you offer that to us, Koi. Create the space for travel in your life, no matter how small or big the trips are. It's it's extremely activating. So the level of knowledge and wisdom you dropped, this should be a paid episode, but we don't do that yet. I know you're trying to get... So we dropped, we dropped. We over here building this thing. and it's But it's all about us being in our own jam, us being authentic to each other. And these portals keep getting unlocked for us to talk deeper and deeper. So thank you, for creating and maintaining this podcast. There are so many podcasts that get abandoned and I get it. Things change, life changes, resources change, but you have created a unique space and maintained it and grown it to a level of understanding that probably blows your mind when you go back and listen to episode one and maybe even episodes one through 15. I don't know, but Keep doing what you're doing. Keep holding space for us because we'll always hold it for you. Even when we fail, God has the rest of it. So thank you, my sister. And also thank you for teaching me that Italians have plastic on the sofa. See what we learn (laughs) when we listen to each other? I'm like, oh shit, that's so cool. (laughs) I swear. I used to walk in my grandma and be like, why do we have this plastic on the sofa? (laughs) She's like, keeps it clean. Sound, you know, <laughs> I can't. I can go. Italians are a special breed. Me and my family were just talking yesterday about how, like, the old Italians, you know, and I think this is in the black community. It's like they're superstitious. Yes, they're like the evil eyes in every window. <laughs> they're and they're just kooky. Like, just like what? Hide, my grandmother, they used to hide the the garden. Like, they didn't want anybody to know they had tomatoes growing. It's like they 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 always acted like. They were on death row. It's like, you're fine. Like you have really safe. (laughs) They didn't want anyone to know they were so, but they were all immigrants, you know, and they came from a lot of poverty. And it's beautiful for all of us to honor our ancestors because they would all die to be in the position. A lot of us. Oh, yeah. To be having this conversation. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, from the backgrounds we are. So I I honor them and I, I know they're, they're grateful for how we're living our lives. So. I would love for you to let everyone know how they can work with you, connect with you, follow you, stalk you, like virtually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not in real life, please. Yeah, don't show um, up. I'm not house. telling y'all where I live. <laughs> that so was one of my follow-up questions, actually. Where do you live? Address? <laughs> well, you know my address, so I do. peep through the window. Um, <laughs> y'all find me Instagram. I am at underscore data, bay, D-A-T-A-B-A-E. Some people may say data. I say data, the underscore data bay. Also, same with LinkedIn. 
find me. The easiest way is database. Same spelling, D-A-T-A-B-A-E. Visit my website, 924cooperative.com. And it actually links to all my other businesses. So there you go. And just reach out if you have any other questions. Lauren is my, I think she's my hype woman at this point, but definitely reach out to her and there's always a way to find me. I would love to work with you if you're ready to make some really serious money with your business through the eyes of marketing and marketing research. I would love to sit down and just see if our energy aligns and and our desires too. So thank you for having me again. I so appreciate and love you, my girl. Oh, I love you, my girl. I'm so honored. This conversation was seriously epic. Like I'm gonna have to go back and and take notes. And also I just want to honor you for the human that you are, the soul that you are, the woman that you are, the way you show up for your community, the way you show up and inspire every woman and especially black women to step into the power that they just are. Mm-hmm. I really believe and I pray that our daughters are friends and all that, but I pray that everyone gets real comfortable with the fact that the future leadership of this earth is going to be women and it's going to be a lot of people of color. You know, actually, I feel called to say this, so I'll just say it. I feel like God is telling me to tell this story. I have a lot of friends from different backgrounds since I was young and I have this story from middle school that I've actually never told publicly. Oh my God, my body's going to like. So back to like how you and I struggled with like fitting in and being big and we have these different backgrounds, but like the struggle of that really does manifest when we're young and like in school and it's when it really shows up for a lot of us and whatever the story is, the struggle, the background. For me, particularly, I just never felt like I fit in. Like I always felt like a lone wolf, you know? And I swear, picture this, seventh grade, I graduated from a very small elementary school. I decided to go to public school because I had gone to like a smaller, like Catholic school, if you will. And I chose to go to public school. First day I walk in, well, the the day goes on and then lunch comes. And you know how it is to walk into the lunchroom. Mm -hmm. Well, my God, my, my heart's beating so hard as I tell this story because this is a deeply, this is an experience in my life that shaped who I am. I walk into the lunchroom, I have my lunch and there's nowhere to sit. Like I look around, I don't feel like I'm welcomed anywhere, you know? And where I grew up is mostly white, but there were a lot of people of color. And all of a sudden this table, now I'm 12 years old. Think about how impressionable we are at that time. This table of black and brown people. Hey, come over here. Come over here, come sit with us. And I was like, me? You know, and I walked over and those were my friends. They were all my friends and they, I'm going to get emotional. They, most of them were black women and Hispanic women. And they saw me Koi in a way that no one ever had. And I know this gets tricky to talk about, but this is my experience. Like I felt at home amidst people of color. I always have. And it's because I personally feel that there is so much power, that Black women have so much power. And I was, and also so much empathy. It's like moving through life with this spectrum, right? And we're all unique and humans, we all have both. But like early on, the people that saw me and asked me to step into more of who I am were Black women. And that's who influenced me from a young age as my dear close friends. And so, to be sitting here with you today 
and to see how we have expanded each other because publicly, like I work with Koya, like she's helping me on a big project in my business. And she, in these sessions, expands me in a way that I I can't expand myself. And so it's just a very full circle moment for me because I have always felt so seen by Black women. And I pray that Black women are feel that I see them, you know? So we, I just felt called we to do. that. But I, we're not a monolith, but at least one says yes. we do. Yeah. Thanks. And we appreciate and love everything. You, you just get it. It makes a world of difference. You just get it. So thank you. I'm grateful. Thank you for holding the space for me to tell that story because I really, all of a sudden, something was like, tell that story. So I yeah. told it. And I just pray that all of us can can forge the bonds across different backgrounds more and more as we go. Cause I do feel that's another <laughs> call to action from God, you know? And so thank you for seeing me so deeply and being one of my best friends in the world. I love you so much. I love you so much. Oh, I'm giving you a big old black girl, Italian tiramisu hug. <laughs> Cheer me up, pick me up. <laughs> I love you, Koi. I will I see you, you soon. Thank you so much for listening to House of Low today. I encourage you to keep going. Who you're becoming is on the horizon, and who you are today is a gift. Never lose sight that you are worthy of all that you deeply desire. Love, love.